And um, who did I met someone last night? Her sister that was the flower girl in the wedding, and Twyla, Twyla yeah, Twyla. Um, and so I met uh, Sam during that trip. Sam Lazarus, and met some of you guys, and and uh, so yeah, so we go way back. Uh, many campus uh, events and conferences and teen events with many of you and your kids. We had Johnson kids when they were growing up in camps, and uh, so many more. Uh, the Bryants, the Touches, the Giannises, the Hoyles, I, I could probably just name all of you, right? Um, and here's one of the, the key things, though, in my relationship with Wichita's. I sat in a Russian banya in Siberia with not, you don't wear a lot in a banya, with Ken Johnson, okay? <laughs> Ken and I saw way more of each other than either one of us probably ever cared to see. And a few days later, I was almost arrested in Russia at the airport, and they had to wait on me while I was in this back room. That's another story for another day. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I have some roots here in Wichita as well. My dad was actually born in Wichita, and so we would come back here periodically to visit my great-grandma. I don't know where she lived, but I know there were train tracks behind her house because we'd put pennies on the tracks and smash them. It was awesome. Um, <clears throat> my great-grandfather was actually a well-known architect in Wichita. And so, um, I don't know if I have, do I have the power here to go through? Oh, oh, did we go too far? Hang on, I can't see what I'm, point back there. Okay, where am I pointing? James. It wasn't James. Well, it's not working. Okay, well, anyway, um, if you can back up to those pictures, there's some pictures of some buildings. Uh, my great-grandfather was a uh, well-known architect in Kansas. He uh, designed the original Cessna building, so Cessna World Headquarters, when they first started, he designed that. The next slide <coughs> is another one of his buildings, Wichita East High School. <coughs> so that was one of his designs. And then this is another one, was uh, St. James Church. It's an Episcopal church. It looks like a castle, and so... Anyway, it's kind of cool when I drive through Wichita, I try to go by those places, and I'm like, oh, that's my, my ancestors, you know. And, um, but anyway, I am grateful to be here on many levels. Um, super grateful that the Hendersons have landed here with you guys. And uh, I just think what a blessing to the Wichita church to have them, and what a blessing for them to have the Wichita church. And I, I look forward to just seeing what God has in store uh, but we're going to, enough reminiscing, enough of that. We're going to get into the word this morning, amen? And uh, what I was told is that you guys have been studying out different characters in the Bible or different figures from the Bible. And so today, we are going to be talking about James. That's why it said James up there, a little preview. Okay, um, so I, I don't know what you know about James. Hopefully, you, you've read the book of James. It's a short book in the New Testament, just packed with all kinds of rich stuff in the book of James. Um, there were several Jameses in the New Testament. So you have James and John, the sons of thunder. Remember them? Uh, they had the helicopter mom that would try to look out for them, you know, and maybe some of those in here. I don't know. Um, but uh, they wanted to call down fire from heaven, right? That's not this James, okay? We're not going to talk about him. Uh, there was James, the son of Alphaeus, right? He was an apostle of Jesus. He's one of the 12. There's not a whole lot written about him. Uh, there, there's a little bit. We're not talking about him today. The James that we're going to talk about is James, the brother of Jesus, all right? Uh, the word, oops, I'm going the wrong way. How do we go? Can we go to the next one? Not that one. James wrote the song. No. Um, well, anyway, I'm just going to go, and if you guys can catch up, then great. If, if not, we'll, we'll skip the slides. Um, so the Greek word 
the Greek word for James is Jacobus, okay? Uh, Hebrew is Yaakov, right? And it's Jacob. James is Jacob. It's the same thing. So when you see Jacob in the Old Testament, it's really James. Or when you see James in the New Testament, it's really Jacob. So that's, that's where this name James comes from, is from Jacob or Yaakov. Um, and we see many references to James, to this James in the New Testament. One of the first is in Mark 6, 3. Hey, there we go. Mark 6, 3, it says, Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us as well? And they took offense at him. So we see that James was the brother of Jesus. Now the half-brother, right, because Jesus' dad was God and Mary and the Immaculate Conception, all that. So he was the half-brother of Jesus. But, you know, think about for a minute, we're talking about the character of James. What would James have been like? Imagine your big brother is Jesus. You're never going to measure up, right? I mean, some of us have insecurities with our older brothers or sisters or whatever, but, but Jesus, really? I mean, the guy can walk on water, right? The guy can raise the dead. And so just imagine you're playing hide and seek, you know, and it's like, where's Jesus? He's over there. And you get over there and he's gone, right? And then he's like behind you. He's out on the lake, whatever. And and, uh, and, you know, perhaps imagine your mom being Mary and, and hearing things like, can't you just be more like your brother, Jesus? <laughs> I don't know if she said that, but I got to imagine, you know, they, she was human, right? Um, and then, you know, just the sibling rivalry. You're always trying to one-up your brothers or whatever, but, but Jesus, come on. What are you going to do about that? And, you know, I have two older brothers. Crystal talked about one of my brothers. Some of you guys know Jeff uh, Schmidt. He's in Houston now. But uh, my oldest brother was 10 years older. He was kind of the protector, right? I imagine Jesus was like that, right? But then I had Jeff, and he was the tormentor. Um, he, all the typical things, you know, he'd hold me down, tickle me till I scream, let the spit drip on, you know, I'm like, no. Um, but it went beyond that. He, he stole my toys and told me, hey, they're up on that shelf. Well, he had put mouse traps on the shelf, so... I got that. To this day, I'm afraid of mousetraps. Like, I, I don't want to touch them. And then, then he invented, the, the psychological torment was probably the worst. They invented this game called Raft. And, and so him and all his older friends on the street, they would play, and they'd say, hey, let's play Raft. And they like, okay, let's play Raft. And they would all be gone. And I'm like, man, I never get to play Raft. And at my baptism, he wrote this inscription in a journal to me. He, he confessed what Raft was. It was an acronym that stood for Run Away From Timmy. So when they would play raft, they were running away from me. And anyway, but uh, but sibling rivalry had to be there for James, right? Uh, hopefully Jesus was a little nicer to his brother. My brother's a Christian now, Amen. Um, but we see these other things about Jesus, and it wasn't always good between James and Jesus. And so these, these won't be up here, but a few scriptures in Mark three, um, verse twenty. Verse 20, it says, then Jesus went home and once again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples could not even eat. When his family heard about this, they went out to take custody of him, saying, he is out of his mind. Just a few verses later in verse 31, it says, then Jesus' mother and brothers came and stood outside. Then someone, th th they sent someone in to summon him and a crowd was sitting around him. Look, he was told, your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. But Jesus replied, who are my mother? And who are my brothers? Looking at those seated in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So it wasn't always good 
in the household there with Jesus and his brothers, right? And, and even with Mary at one point, they, they tried to take control of him. They thought he was out of his mind. And, and maybe some of us have experienced that, right? When you became a disciple and, you know, you're just like sold out for Jesus and you're like all in. And then your family's like, what are you doing? You're out of your mind. And uh, at one point when I got restored and Crystal became a Christian, there, there were some people in our family that they knew we were out partying and I was doing drugs. I was doing all this stuff. And, but they were more concerned about me being in church than out doing that stuff. And I'm like, wait, who's out of their mind here, you know? And, but Jesus experienced that from James. And James was the second oldest as, as far as we know. And so there was some, some friction there in the family, right? Um, a little more about James that we see. James led the church in Jerusalem after Peter moved on, okay? So um, Peter moved on to start these other churches and be in these other churches, but James stayed there. And while many of the apostles went out, James stayed in Jerusalem. Most of the people in that church, at least initially, were Messianic or, or, or Jewish Christians, okay? So that was the people that James was, was mostly around. This was the first Christian community ever. So James was right there, the first church, the first Christian community. James was in the heart and part of that. So somewhere along the way, James went from, you're crazy, Jesus, to I'm leading your church, Jesus. You know, I'm here to do that. Um, and then we see other things that James was very well respected throughout the brotherhood of believers. Um, there's a few scriptures here that we can look at. Acts 15, the, the whole story there in Acts. Remember the council at Jerusalem? That they were having some issues, the Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, and things were going on. And, and guess who the one to stand up and pronounce the judgment was? It was James. It says James stood up, and he said, here's what we're going to do, right? So James, there, there was a respect that James had. In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, it talks about how Jesus appeared to James and then to all the apostles. So Jesus made a special point. Man, i got to go and see James after he had risen from the dead. Maybe that's what turned the tide for James. You know, you, you see your brother die on a cross, and then all of a sudden he's there. He's like, hey, bro, what's up, you know? Uh, that, maybe that's what turned the tide. Uh, Galatians 2.9, it says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised. And they to the circumcised. So you see these references to James throughout the New Testament. He was very well respected. So, so James was a man of, of conviction, a man of character, uh, a man of God. Amen? Um, so when we look at the book of James, it, it's a, a great book. It's one of my favorite books to read because no matter what's going on, you can pick up James and something is going to hit you right where you're at. Um, and it's really the summary uh, of wisdom, right? A summary of wisdom, and we'll talk about who he wrote this to in a minute, but we see the reflections of Jesus' teaching in the book of James. There's many things that will pop out as you read James. Oh, yeah, that's what Jesus said. Oh, I get it. You know, I see the connection. And there's also a lot that comes from the Torah, a lot from Proverbs. And so James is almost like a New Testament Proverbs, right? Uh, there's a lot of one-liners in there. I'm going to read some of those in a minute. But, but these just little nuggets of wisdom um, James doesn't flow like some of the other letters, right, that we see. It's, it's just like, oh, he's talking about this. Now he's talking about this. Now he's talking about this. Um, and, and so let me, let me tell you some of the one-liners, and maybe these are some of your favorites as well from James. Uh, James 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James 1, verse 19, this is a good one. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Uh, James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 2, 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James 2, 19. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James 2, 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James 3, 8. Um, being, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James 3.18, I love this one. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James 4.6, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. James 4.14, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James 4.17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James 5.12, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Of course, that's a reference to Jesus in Matthew 5 when he, you know, he said, hey, don't swear. Don't swear. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, and then the, finally, the last one-liner I have for us this morning, James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so, again, there's all these just like cool little things that James said that, that we latch onto. We put them on the church wall, right? We put them on our, our billboards, whatever. Um, and, and so what I've done this morning, though, is that we're not going to have time to go through the entire book of James, right? Because I've only got four hours, they said. <laughs> no. Um, we don't have time to go through the entire book, so I've kind of mapped it out a little bit. There's a lot of different outlines of James, but I was able to kind of boil it down into five key things, five key things that you can take, and almost every verse from James will fit into these five things. And so I put them up here. You can take a picture of that if you want, and I'll kind of talk through it here. And then we're, we are going to jump into just James chapter 1 today. But uh, the first thing that we see in James is perseverance. And, and it's kind of this mantra, life's hard, don't quit. Life's hard. I was talking to Ken this morning. He's like hobbling in here with his knee, you know, and talking to others. And, and life is hard, man. Don't quit. James 1, 2 through 18, it talks about trials and temptations. If you've not, if you're a Christian, you've not been through trials and temptations. You've not been a Christian more than like a couple hours, right? Because that's just, that's how it is. Um, in James 5, 7 through 12, he, he kind of wraps it up with talking about suffering and standing firm. The next thing we see in James is faith in action. Just do it, right? Nike got, got the slogan right there, just do it. And James 1, 19 through 27, that's where it talks about, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We got to be doers of the word, not just learners, not just hearers of the word. James 2, 14 through 26, that's where we see this, this part about faith without deeds is dead. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. Um, the third thing is humility, humility towards God and humility towards others. There's a lot in James about conflict, right? Th these conflicts that they were having in the church and, and, and there's parts where he just says, you got to submit to God. You know, we, we, we can disagree on different things, but man, ultimately you got to submit to God. And when we don't submit to God, we have problems, right? And um, throughout that part in James 2, 1 through 13, he talks about not having favoritism toward wealthy people. Or, or towards anyone, right? And, and do we favor one another? Do we favor somebody who's more like us than someone who's less like us or, or whatever? He says, don't be favorites. Don't, don't play favorites. 
Um, James 3, 13 through 18 there talks about selfish ambition, and it can create bitter envy. You know, when we're focused on what I want, you know, it's about me, it's about my needs. And, and what I've seen is, man, the more that I focus on other people's needs, and, and if we all do that, all the needs get met, right? But as soon as we all start thinking, oh, this is what I want, man, no, no needs get met. Um, James 4, 1 through 12, that's where he talks about the fights and quarrels. What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's because you don't submit to God. And then there's a final additional warning to the rich in James 5, 1 through 6. Um, the next thing, this, this is kind of harsh here, but it's keep your mouth shut. <laughs> uh, James is like, hey, sh- quiet. Like, don't say that, you know. And those of us that are married, we know that, brothers, we know that, right? Sometimes the best thing is, is just don't say anything, right? I'm feeling, j- just, you know, tame the tongue. Be s- uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So we see that in James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Um, and then he talks about it again later. He talks about boasting, right? Boasting about tomorrow. Well, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. He's like, hey, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't boast about that. Say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this. And so sometimes our mouth can just get us in a lot of trouble, right? And it's better just like, let me, let me tame the tongue here. Um, and then finally, he wraps up the whole book with just talking about prayer, talking about calling the elders to pray and praying for the sick and confessing our sins and praying for one another. And there, there's so much power in prayer. And James knew that. Um, so, so those are some kind of some of the main themes that we see throughout the book of James. Um, I mentioned earlier he talked about faith and deeds. And, um, you know, this is an interesting thing because James said, hey, it, you can't just believe it. You got to do it. Right. What good is faith if there's no action, if there's no deeds? And it, to the point where Martin Luther, when they were talking about the Bible and what was going to be in the Bible, uh, Martin Luther didn't think James should be in the Bible because he's like, that doesn't go with what Paul said. And there was this conflict, and, and really there wasn't a conflict, I don't think, between James and Paul. It was just they were coming from different perspectives. Um, and there's a doctrine out there in the world today that, that says it's faith only or faith alone, right? Have you ever heard that? doesn't matter what you do. It's we're saved by faith alone. And, and I don't know if you know this, but faith alone is actually in the Bible, and it's only in the book of James. And here's what James said about it. He said, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. <laughs> So the only time faith alone is in the Bible, it says you're not saved by faith alone. And, and so you could see that there's this contradiction, but I really don't think there's a contradiction. Much of what Paul was addressing in his letters was this Jewish mindset that they had to follow the law, right? They wanted to circumcise the Gentiles. They wanted to follow the law and all these, these customs and everything. And I think a lot of what Paul was saying is, hey, that's not what saves you. The law is not going to save you. What Paul wasn't saying is, just do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter because because we see from Jesus, it does matter what we do. You know, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of me, the, the, the least of these you did for me. Whatever you didn't do for the least of these you didn't do for me. It absolutely matters what we do. Um, Matthew 7, you know, when he said many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And he said, plainly, I'll tell you guys, you are evildoers. Because you didn't do the will of God. You didn't do the will of God who's in heaven. Now, you, you know, maybe you're sitting there saying, so are you saying we got to earn our way to heaven? That we're saved by work? Nope, not saying that either. So it's this balance. It's this really fine balance. There, there's a teacher out there, an old Church of Christ guy named David Berceau. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He did a really good study on, on Paul and James and really wrestled with the two of them. 
But let me give you a simple way that's helped me to understand it, and I think it's helped others. Um, how many of you guys, when you were growing up, had chores at your household? Anybody not have chores? Okay, good, because you have some issues. But uh, <laughs> You had chores, right, growing up. And, and would, let me ask you this. Would you say the, the amount of chores that you do, and maybe a couple of us, we would say, yeah. Would you say that you earned your keep? For all that your parents did for you or your grandparents or whoever raised you, all the food they gave you, all the clothes they bought, all the activities that they paid for and the trips they took, would you say that, man, those dishes I washed, I earned my way? Anyone? Okay, amen. Um, but at least in my household, the chores were not optional either, right? If I went to my dad and said, well, I'm not earning this, you know, so I'm not doing my chores. That would not have gone well, right? Um, I knew better because those two older brothers tried stuff like that, and I'm like, I'm not doing that, right? And, and so this isn't the perfect analogy, but the way I see it is, is God's got the household, right? He's building the mansion for us. He provides for our needs, but he says, hey, while you're there, I've got some chores for you to do. And you, you better do the chores, right? Because you're not going to be in the house if you're not doing the chores. But you're not earning your way into the house. You're not paying for your salvation. You, that's been paid for. That's been done. God's just like, come on, we got to do the chores, right? Amen. Amen? So, so faith alone, it's only in the Bible once, and it says you're not saved by faith alone. James pointed that out to us. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, it, it's impossible to cover all of James in one lesson. So I hope this morning this just whets your appetite a little bit. And maybe this week you read through James. It's five chapters. Do one a day. You got the whole book of James this week. But let's look at James chapter 1. And we're just going to talk about this one area this morning uh, of perseverance. <clears throat> James 1 and verse 1. It's the intro here. It says, James, <clears throat> a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And here we say, see how James introduces himself. He doesn't say James, Jesus' brother, you know. <laughs> you, ever, you ever know people that name drop? You know, we all do it a little bit, right? But, but I've got a, one friend, he name drops everything. You know, well, one time I was in an airport with whoever. I'm like, I don't care. Like, James wasn't name dropping. In fact, he says, I'm a servant of God. That word servant there is doulos in the Greek. It's, it's like I'm a slave. James, a slave to God. He, he was humble. We see this humility in James. And who was he writing to? It says that he was writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, the diaspora, right? Remember in Jerusalem there was that persecution, and they all went out from there. So they knew James, right? And just like some of us, we have these relationships from the past. Maybe James wasn't there, or they weren't there when James was there. But they knew James, right? They've heard of James. Like, oh, yeah, you were baptized by James. Oh, you were in his Bible talk. And so they had this, this connection to James. But he says, hey, I'm just a servant of God. And this is to all God's people, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And when you see that word 12 a lot of times, too, it's, it's very symbolic for the Jews, right? 12 was the number of organized religion. You see it a lot in Revelation, right? The 12 tribes and the 12,000 from the 12 tribes. And and so when he's saying this, it's not even just those that are in the 12 tribes. It's, it's all God's people. The 12 tribes scattered anywhere out among the nations. So that's who James is talking to. Um, so he greets them, but then he just jumps right in to, to his message here. Um, oops, not that one. Oh, there, there we go. Chap uh, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, 
my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Man, I love this. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. And you're, you're probably thinking, the guys that are reading this, you know, ooh, what is it? What is pure joy? Like heaven, like all these things. Trials of many kinds. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? That doesn't sound like pure joy to me. Um, you know, and, and I could see some of you brothers, you know, like Touche is probably thinking, man, I'm going to cause my wife a lot of trials so that she'll be joyful, right? And <laughs> That's not how this works, Jason. Okay. Um, it's a bad idea. But, but he says the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And, you know, when we really see what God's doing in our lives, when we really see what God's doing in the church, sometimes just from the surface, because we're worldly and unspiritual sometimes, right, it does not seem like pure joy. It's like, I don't like this. I didn't sign up for this. I, I want off the ride, you know, like, I don't want this, right? But he says perseverance must finish its work. And, you know, all of us, if, if you've been Christian, again, more than a day or two, you've been through some trials. I know some of your families we've talked. I know things that you've gone through. I know things that the church has gone through. I know things that our fellowship has gone through. Man, it's hard sometimes. But this is how we grow. This is how God helps us to mature. And, you know, when we look back, sometimes I look back, even on our story, when we were in the middle of some of that, it was not fun. It was not pure joy. It was not like, woohoo, this is awesome, you know. But, but now I look back and I'm like, man, if I hadn't gone through some of those things, I couldn't relate to some of the people I relate to now. I, I left the church for five years and, and shipwrecked my faith and did terrible things that I, I never would want to do or never wish on anybody. But you know what? Had I not driven into um, South Central L.A. to buy drugs, I couldn't relate to a guy that I study the Bible with now that is on drugs and addicted to drugs and struggling. With, I couldn't relate had I not been through some of those things. Had I not been immoral uh, and, and many times, I couldn't relate to somebody that comes into the church and is struggling with an immoral relationship. And so, so that's what he's saying here, guys. God is helping us to grow, to become mature, and complete and and I know sometimes I can think this way I want to grow but I don't want to go through trials <laughs> sorry let me break it to you that's not how this works okay um, have you ever met someone whose parents had no expectations for them they, they just kind of let them do whatever they didn't have to do chores they didn't have to get good grades or do or be obedient or anything you ever meet those kids or th those especially if you meet them as an adult man look out they're spoiled they don't mature, they're entitled, ungrateful. Let me just say, if you're a parent, that's not good parenting, okay? Do not do that with your kids. But, but God's a good father. He's a perfect father. He doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want you to get spoiled. If, if the, everything was awesome all the time in the church, we'd get spoiled. And sometimes we do, and we can complain. Well, I didn't like that song. You know, well, they missed a note over there. Well, the AV wasn't good today. And we can start grumbling and complaining about the silliest little things. You know, in our church, we, they're redoing some of the kids' classrooms, and, and there's all these different opinions on what should happen. I'm like, who cares? It doesn't matter. We have kids' classrooms. Let's be grateful for that. The church used to meet in a warehouse, and you had to step over the kids to get into the church. That was Kids' Kingdom in the front. We have classrooms. Let's be great, right? And, and so we can forget. When, when things get too good, we can forget. And God's saying, no, I want you to grow 
to, to be more grateful. So let's be grateful for those trials. Amen. You know, and Crystal shared about our, our life and her testimony and up to a certain point. And, and, you know, even after that, after she became a Christian, I got restored. There were trials, right? Life was really good overall. I mean, there were a lot of good things. There were trials in the church in St. Louis. We had different health things that would come up over the years. 2013, our house got hit by a tornado. We were at the church building doing a campus devo, and, and the tornado went by the church building. But right before that, it had gone by our house. And I remember calling her mom and saying, hey, are you guys okay? And she's like, we're okay. We heard it. We were in the basement. But I don't know, but everybody's stopping to look at our house. And we're like, uh-oh. So we drive home, and it's like a war zone, right? And there's just trials that come up. But overall, I'll say this. Life was pretty good. We, we had this season of life, and I don't know about you. Whenever things are really good, I'm kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, I'm like, something's going to happen here, you know. And, but it didn't. For a long time, things were just going good, and we're living the dream, right? Our kids were doing great in school. They, they were just good students and sports. They were involved in all these different activities. I got to coach both my kids in soccer. Uh, we served in the teen ministry, campus ministry. So it was, life was good. 2014, we, we were asked and, and invited to move to Arkansas. And, and even then, there were just so many good things happening. The church over the years has more than doubled. Uh, we get to have an impact in the community that we're in. We've got relationships, and we have a relationship with the city that we are in. They call us to do things, and it's good, right? And then 2018 came for our family, and it was like getting on a roller coaster. So 2018, my son was 13, and my daughter was 11. And my son had had Rocky Mountain spotted fever. He got a tick bite at camp, right? Send your kid to camp, they're going to get tick bites. But he didn't tell us about it. And so he got Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and it spread, and he had to get on meds for it and everything. Um, also, a little bit after this, our daughter was misdiagnosed. She had some stomach issues, and they misdiagnosed her for like six months. She ended up having gastritis. At one point, they gave her this really high dose of medicine. It caused like these panic attacks in her, and, and it just – Things started getting a little rocky, right? These health things started happening. And then that summer, um, between the two camps, we went uh, boating on the lake there, Table Rock Lake. And, and Adriana ruptured her eardrum. Um, she hit the water. She was a tubing accident. Some dad was driving the boat too fast. Somebody did it. Um, not going to name names. Um, <laughs> ruptured her eardrum right before kids camp where she was a silly chili. Um, then later that summer, okay, this, this keeps going. Later that summer, they went to St. Louis with Crystal's mom, and we get a call, a FaceTime, and our kids are in the back of an ambulance. And they're like, we were in an accident on Highway 270's seven-lane highway. The car rolled over, hit a boulder. They're on the side of the highway. We're five hours away in Arkansas. So we're, we're freaking out. Her mom's pinned in the car upside down. Uh, fortunately, Heidi Rice and some from the church went and, and met him at the hospital. But but that's traumatic when you see your little kids in an ambulance and you're five hours away, you're helpless. And so they ended up um, being okay relatively, although some things happened later with the effects of that accident. Um, about a month later, we went to Yellowstone, right? This was my dream vacation, go to Yellowstone. I want to see a bear. I want to see a moose. And while we're there, we get a call that my dad had a heart attack. So now I'm like, do I need to fly back? Do we just need to drive back? What do we need to do? And he had open heart surgery. He ended up living through that. Amen. Um, then a month later, September, our daughter starts having this weird pain in her hands. And, and like her hands are hurting. She can't write. Um, just intense pain, and it starts spreading from her hands up into her arms. And she's still having these stomach issues. Then in November, we get a call from St. Louis, 
that my sister-in-law had been shot. Um, so we, we don't know what's going on. We, we made a mistake of, of looking, Googling the news, and we see a news story, and so it's starting to get out in the news already. And by the time we get the kids loaded in the car and start driving the five hours to St. Louis, we get word that she died. Um, she was shopping in a religious bookstore getting supplies to make gifts for a women's retreat at her church. And this man came in and assaulted her and, and these two employees. And because she was married, she refused to do what he was telling her to do. And so he shot her, just shot her in the head and then went on to assault these other two women. And it was a very public event. I mean, it was all over the news in St. Louis and, and beyond. And uh, media starts showing up the next day at my brother's house. And so I'm out having to talk to fend off reporters but uh you know jamie was his high school sweetheart this is my brother that's 10 years older and so i'd known her since i was five so my whole every memory i have of our family and stuff she's she's there right she's part of our family and and now she's gone she was in our family for 40 years but um you know we so that happened um and they they caught the guy um but we get back to arkansas after the funeral about a week later a brother in our church passes away and this was one of those brothers that he was kind of, he wasn't an elder, but he was like an elder, right? He was always coming up to me and, how are you doing, brother? What, what do you need? What can I do for you? And, and so he was like a, a dad in many ways. And so a week after my sister-in-law, he passes away. Um, over the next few years, Adriana's pain spreads through her entire body. Um, it's to the point where now she's homebound from school. Uh, but then going back to, to, you know, September of 2019, my dad, this is some good news, right? My dad starts studying the Bible. And we were in town, and I think that the death of Jamie and stuff really just brought things home for him. Like, hey, life is short, right? He was 76 at that point. Um, started studying with Vince Hawkins there. And I'm, I'm talking to Vince every other week, and Vince is like, man, your dad's doing awesome. I would tell him to, like, read a, a couple chapters of John. He comes back, like, the next day. He's like, all right, I read the whole book of John. Now what? You know? And <laughs> so he's just, like, eating it up. He's confessing sin from 76 years, repenting apologizing, like just, just changing. His, his heart was changing. So that started in September. I talked to Vince, um, like the end of October, he's like, I think another week or two, your dad's going to be ready to get baptized. So we're thinking, all right, we got to go to St. Louis. Dad's going to get baptized. Then we get a call in November of 2019 that dad had been in a car accident. He was driving home from helping uh, brother and sister move, and he had a stroke, a massive stroke uh, while he was driving. So he wrecked his truck. They found him, his, his foot, he lost one side of his body completely. So his right foot is mashed on the gas. Somehow he had his left foot, so he put it down on the brake, or else he, who knows what would have happened. When they found him, the truck had caught on fire because the engine's just racing and the brakes are burning up. They drag him out. Um, he, he never talked, really. I mean, he said a couple words, never walked again. But praise God, we baptized him. In the nursing home, we had a lift there. We were able to lower him down and bring him up. And one of the few times... I ever saw my dad cry is when he came up out of the water, tears in his eyes. So anyway, uh, that was 2019. And again, you're like, God, what's going on? You know, what, what is happening? And then, then right after that's 2020. I don't know if you guys had this here. We had this thing in Arkansas. We called it a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. So we can't even, can't even see my dad in the nursing home for several months, right? Um, and then, you know, we were able to bring him home to my mom's house in May, and he passed on the 15th of May of 2020. Uh, but, you know, just this, 
life after that, dealing with all the ups and downs of the pandemic. I'm sure here everybody saw it exactly the same way, and there were no disagreements on how things should be handled in the church, and it was smooth sailing here, right? Well, not in Arkansas. Um, and then there were these political things going on that year. They had an election, you know, and, and that was tumultuous. And then just all the, the – there was just so much going on in our world, the social – the political, the pandemic, and it was just a tough time to be alive, tough time to lead a church, and, and all this stuff's going on in our families. 2021, they finally, it took three years for this trial to happen, and then right as they were doing jury selection, the guy finally said, okay, I'm going to plead guilty now. So it, it, that was good, um, but we, we went to the sentencing hearing, and, and we had to hear all the details of what happened, and um, our, our son went, we didn't really want him to go, but it was his aunt and we couldn't, you know, so he heard that. Um, but we sat through that and heard from these witnesses, the two women that lived. Um, Adriana's health uh, has continued to deteriorate. Now our son is having some complications from that Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And, and I think just also the trauma of all that, like he, you know, being a teen boy, being 13, you see your aunt murdered. You don't know how to process that. And it's hitting him now as, as a young adult. Um, but then over, the, over about a three- to four-year period, there were about 13 deaths of family and friends and church members that were close to me. Um, I lost three uncles. I lost two aunts, lost my dad, lost my sister-in-law, two church members. And I just, to start of this year, I just felt, man, I'm surrounded by death. I just, I can't get away from death. And I, I went to counseling earlier this year because I'm like, I just, I got to deal with this, right? And, and I'm doing a lot better with all that. I see how God's working. But but, you know, there's times I just have no idea how God is working, but I know he is. And, and even through this, like we've seen these things like my dad becoming a Christian, um, you know, other people, my son became a Christian, my daughter became a Christian, uh, the church, you know, things have happened in our church that have been really good. But then there's just days where I feel like Jonah. Remember when Jonah went under the tree and he's like, I just want to die. Um, I don't really want to die. I mean, I do because I want to go to heaven, right? But. <laughs> But I, I just have felt like that. Maybe you felt like that. You're just like, I can't take one more thing. And God's like, actually, you can and you will. Um, I felt alone, felt helpless, felt like I was hanging on by a thread. I felt anger, had to work through so many feelings over the last five years, having to forgive a murderer. That, that changed our family forever. It, it did. I mean, our family, my, my nieces will never be the same losing their mom like that. My brother will never be the same. Um, feeling powerless when I see my own kids struggle with health things or, or just whatever struggles they're having in life. And again, the ups and downs of leading a church and other people's struggles and, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but when I signed up for all this, I thought blue skies and rainbows, right? <laughs> blue skies and rainbows and sun. And, and sometimes before the blue skies get there, there's some clouds coming, right? And there's some thunder and lightning and hail and tornadoes and everything else. And, and, and I don't know when the roller coaster ride's going to end, but I know it will. And I know at some point we're going to come into the station, right? And we'll be done white-knuckling it through this life. And, and God will be there at the station and Jesus and James will be there maybe, you know. And, and it'll all make sense and it'll all be worth it. And James said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
And, you know, sometimes I just got to say, okay, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep trusting God. You know, Crystal shared that earlier. I say it to myself, like, to whom shall I go? <laughs> Where else am I going to go? It's not going to be better out there, right? To whom shall I go? And, and so I ask you, you know, maybe you're facing a lot of trials. Maybe you've been through the trials. Maybe you feel like, man, we've been through the ringer. I would say this, God must really believe in you. The more stuff you've been through, God's just like, man, you can handle this. You got this. I believe in you. I'm maturing your faith. You know, and, and then I can look back and I can say, okay, there's some things that I've grown in that I would not have grown in were it not for the trials. Perseverance. I, if you'd have told me five years ago, here's what's going to happen. I would have ran away. You know, I'd have been like, nope, that's not happening. But, but I couldn't imagine living through some of these things, even losing my parent. I know some of you guys have lost parents, right? I, can't, I couldn't imagine what that would feel like. But now I do, and, and I've learned to persevere. I've grown in reliance on God because it's sometimes that's all I can do. It's literally like I got nothing, but I got to rely on God. Compassion for people. Man, my compassion for people that either have chronic health issues or that are going through loss or, or whatever, it's, it's grown so much that I never could have done without going through these things. Patience. Just waiting on God, waiting on, on people, waiting on whatever. It's like, hey, this isn't all going to happen in my time frame. Forgiveness. You know, I talked about that earlier. Forgiving this guy. I sat in a courtroom seeing the guy that killed my sister-in-law. I actually went when they first arraigned him. I, I went and sat there about from, from me to Ken. And I'll tell you what, man, it, it was everything in me not to go deal with him. for just. I, I, I knew that wasn't right, and I wasn't going to do it, but I wanted it. And I had to work through a lot of those things and forgive the man that did that. Just growing in my faith, man, seeing God work, seeing God work in the church in Arkansas, seeing God work in the church here, seeing God work in our family. My faith is growing. And, and please understand, I'm not saying all this this morning to garner sympathy, right? I mean, you can sympathize. I'll sympathize with you. We can, we can console one another, right? But, but this is not woe is me. This is just life. And some of you guys probably have a lot more going on, a lot more stuff in your life than I've had. You have your own trials. I know that the church has gone through trials. God knows. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. God's in control. He's always been in control. The roller coaster's not going to go off the track. It's, it's on the tracks. It's, it's just a ride, right? God hasn't forsaken you. But life is hard. Don't quit. James down a little bit later in verse 12, James 1 verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, James knew this. James knew, man, I, I saw what happened to Jesus. I saw him suffer. I saw him die. And I saw him raise again. He knew what was going to happen. And James wasn't perfect. Early on, he doubted. He questioned. He went through his, his trials too, right? But, you know, we see James' death. And, and I think in James' death, it, it mirrors Jesus' death in some ways. And, and I think we see James got it. James got it, and he knew, I'm going to persevere. This is the account of, of James' death. It says, the people, they, they got James, they climbed the temple, and they shouted. And they reached the top, and they threw James 
from the pinnacle of the temple, but it didn't kill him. He rose to his knees and he began to pray for them. I beg of you, Lord God, our Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. This would not do. The Pharisees on the ground began to stone him as he prayed. With those from the roof, uh, they rushed down to join in the execution. One of the priests, however, the son of the, the Rechabites, mentioned by the prophet Jeremiah, shouted, Stop! What are you doing? The righteous one is praying for you. But it was too late. Someone took out a club that they used to beat the clothes and smashed James on the head, killing him with one blow. There's James being beaten to death, stoned to death, thrown off of the temple, and he's praying for those who are doing it. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. They will receive the crown of life. Brothers and sisters, we know how James' story ends, and and in one sense, we know how our story's going to end. We know. We have the scriptures. You can look at the end of Revelation, and we, we see how it all ends. God wins. God wins. As Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You persevere, you win. I pray this morning that we can be encouraged by the words and life of James. As he learned from his big brothers, you know, we learn from our big brothers and from our big brother Jesus. And and let us just live out our days just persevering, loving God and, and loving his people. Amen. To God be the glory. Thank you.